Hello, everyone, and welcome to Writer's Block Podcast. I'm your host, J.R. Havlin. Tonight's episode brought to you by Hope. Don't count on it. I'm just going to go ahead and say this, everybody. Writer's Block is storming back. That's a fact, Jack. This week, my guest is Jason Ross, a writer for The Tonight Show starring Jimmy Fallon. Jason lives in L.A., despite the fact that the show he writes for tapes in New York City. And if you think we don't spend some time talking about how the fuck that works, think again. We also talk a little about Jason's 11 years writing for The Daily Show with Jon Stewart. Jesus, I got to know a lot of writers while I was there. We talk about Jason's comedy influences, how they affected him and how he got turned on to them. And we talk about pitching shows in L.A. and the wild odds against actually getting something made. Stephen Ambrose said that it was basically, it was statistically impossible to, for a soldier to land on the beach on D-Day and, and march all the way to, to into Germany and, and uh, till the Germans to surrender the next year without being killed or wounded. Like, it happened. There are soldiers who did it. But from a statistical standpoint, it's utterly impossible. <laughs> and that's basically yeah. what, what trying to develop a, let's call it a hit sick, you know, let's, let's raise the bar a little bit. It's basically statistically impossible to create a hit. Good luck out there, blockheads. <laughs> this is episode 41. My guest is Jason Ross. I'm J.R. Havlin. You're part of the writer's block now. Good choice. gig pay <laughs> what's a guy like you make you know that joke no it's a uh, Jonathan Katz oh yeah children just children say the damnedest things my daughter <laughs> the other night she put her to bed she looks up and she says daddy I say yes sweetie yeah princess what's a guy like you make <laughs> Uh, let's start off. I'm with Jason Ross. Too far from the truth. Long distance writer. We're going to get into this. This is a fascinating thing. I've, I've, I've spoken about this process with John Bynes. The famous, the legendary. The legendary John Bynes. But many, many moons ago, we, uh, we um, go check that, uh, that episode out. He was, he was great. He lives in New York and writes for Jimmy Kimmel. Jason Ross, who's sitting in front of me next to his daughter's fort made out of a Genesis, uh, a Weber Genesis box. Writes for the Tonight Show with the uh, um, uh, what's his name again? James Fallon. James James Jimmy Fallon. James T. Fallon. And uh, but lives here in L.A. in a wonderful in wonderful wonderful L.A. and just gave me a bowl of California fruit. It was fucking delicious. Thank you for that. I, I, I do what I can. Yeah. Uh, with, with what I got and in California, <laughs> I got you got fruit. I, I got fruit. Got a lot of fruit. <laughs> so. It's good to see you. It's good to see I, you, Jared. I feel like I saw you recently at uh, Tim's wedding. Yeah, I saw you last month. Um, yeah, and at the and at my going away dinner. The night before that wedding. Yeah, yeah. It was a big deal. Yeah, which was uh, uh, where, where where writers were meeting each other, which was something that I didn't really put yeah, two and two together. I didn't. That hadn't happened that. before, really. That, yeah, that, no. I'd, that I'd been. When writers have, leave, have the you show, talked about this this tradition before? On, no, on the I cast? I don't think yeah. so. When writers leave the show, we have a, a dinner like at a, some you know over the top steakhouse, and we get a room and and um, the writers the rest of them roast the one who's leaving, and then that person can get up and say whatever he or she wants. And and at mine, there was a pretty good turnout um, of old old guard because um, somebody was getting married in in the family, and and they were in town for that. So I found myself. Who would have been there anyway? Don't don't sell yeah, yourself right, right, short. Right. But I found myself introducing writers, and it didn't even occur to me until somebody says, "Oh, hi, I'm so and so," and I didn't really know. Oh, that's right. No, why? I just kind of thought, every, "Don't everybody yeah, know each no. other? I know everybody." Yeah, I I had left the show uh, almost exactly one year prior, and uh, and and there had been three yeah. new new replacement new uh, uh, new writers there that I I had only seen their uh, their Twitter profiles and noticed that they all had. Um, very impressive beards. Yeah, all yeah. Three, three new hairsuit writers. Yeah, right. At the Daily Show. With, and uh, and the the standard um, plaid shirt. Oh yeah. Other than that, they were completely central casting. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, none of us is all that interesting. No, 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 no. So, how's life in California? It's good. It's it's fantastic. 
you left the show a year ago. I left I left the Daily Show a year ago. And in search of what? Um, that's a, that's a good question. Because um, you were there for a good long time. I was there for eleven years. Yeah, same. I almost want to flip the question around. Why did I leave? It's like why did I stay so long? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because because uh, I'm a Californian. My wife is a Californian. Yeah, We've never right. lived in L.A. before, but this is this is pretty much home. And we had never moved to New York with the idea that that was a permanent move. Um, in fact, it was supposed to only be a couple of years. And 16 years later, with two kids, we finally got out of there. Um, and we, you know, we loved it, but uh, it, it, it was always our long-term plan to get back here. But part closer, of it was the kids, right? And just wanting room and, and not... Uh, having, yeah, well, sure. Uh, so I, I think it, there, there was I a... I mean, your home is bigger than my apartment. Yeah, yeah which, which, by the way, is saying something. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's, been, it's been it's been a, it's been a long time, a big project in your life having a yeah, yeah, having yeah. an apartment. Uh, look, I'm a comfortable man. <laughs> yeah. I my kids don't have a bedroom for themselves. They or each, but yeah. you know that's New York. Yeah, uh, yeah. In New York, you will see your sister naked. Yeah. It's, it's, well, they walk around naked all the time. And yeah. They just strip off their clothes and walk That'll, around. That 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 will. Uh, that's that age. Yeah, it's got. It's coming soon. That, where that, it's gonna be there. Yeah, I've been waiting for that age to end, and it hasn't ended. Yet. Well, Parker knows that's my son. He's four and a half. My daughter's two and a half. And Parker, Parker knows. I think they both know he has something she doesn't. <laughs> she points at it all the time. Yeah. Looks at it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind does of she, funny. Does she and, talk about it? No, no, no. She doesn't really talk that much yet. When she gets a little older, she'll start talking about it. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. yeah. Those are interesting conversations. But he might be old enough to start hiding Inter- it. Interesting conversations to try and quash. Yeah, I don't know. That's his dick. That's <laughs> just fucking, you know. Well, that's his reason for living right yeah. there. <laughs> that's oh, that's, listen, I'm not saying I want it this way, but that's not going to be the first one of those you see, young lady. I'm not, I'm not encouraging you or anything. <laughs> anyway. You'd just take that out, right? Yeah, no, no, sure. I'll keep all this in. All right. So, okay, so um, Coming I, out to California, I hate You had New to leave a, leave I, a job I you were at for 11 years. I hate New York. Years. You don't like New no, York. No, I, I, I do like New York, but yeah. it was, um, it, we, we were living in Manhattan, and we hadn't, like, you know, gotten a country house or moved to Brooklyn or done any of the things that people do to um, sort of decompress themselves in the yeah. city. We were still sort of living the way we had when we were still in our 20s. Um, but now we had kids and everything and it, it, it felt, it felt like something had to give. Um, and, uh, you know, at the daily show, that was my dream job. And, um, and I, I, but you know, after a time it became something I'd been doing for 11 years and it was, it, that wasn't enough to keep me there anymore. And, um, and I'd come out here a year before, uh, last spring I came out for some meetings, um, some development meetings. Um, that's fancy TV talk for uh, meeting people you will probably never see again who will compliment you on an idea that they won't buy. But that's what uh, you do. Yeah, it's what you, it's, and, uh, and I was out here and I was just having such a good time and everybody seemed so nice that I, I think I had a couple drinks and I called my wife and I said, let's just do it. Yeah. Honey, and, uh, I rented a place. Yeah, I what? I got a car too. Yeah, get over here. We bought a Prius. We have yeah, to we're come dig- here. We're digging a pool. It's not going to be ready till June. <laughs> That's like eastbound and down. It's yeah. like I'm going to dig my own pool. <laughs> Just get high on coke and dig a pool in my backyard. Despite my wife. It was such a good show. The, um, tell me a little bit about the meetings. Can you do that? Oh, um, yeah. What was that experience like? Well, had you done that stuff before? I mean, um, I had done it before, but not to, to, to the. I, I hadn't like booked an entire week of them and had two or three. Well, a you're day. a fancy Daily Show writer now. Um, yeah. Well, I had to make it a little easier. And well, I, I also like had to, like, you know, we, we we lived a fairly like simple, close life, like me and my family in, in L.A. I mean, in New York for for years and years. I had to say, like, honey, I'm going to L.A. for a week, like on a business trip, <laughs> which, you know, I didn't, didn't really do in my life. I'm like, yeah. wait, I got to like, I got to be gone and I'm going to meet a bunch of people. And uh, and and I just and so like, you know, three times a day I was driving around town um, and they were just there were what are called generals, meaning general. Meetings. Well, you had an agent. I didn't or, I had an agent who, who knows everybody in town. Do you have a manager? I don't have a manager. Um but uh, I have an agent who who I who I like a lot, mm-hmm. and uh, she set me up with a lot of meetings with producers, who are and you know I and I, I I was kind of learning how the business works as it sort of went, you know, like 
okay, now who am I meeting? What does this person do? Like, so these are different what's production the difference companies, between, not necessarily the studios. Right. Some of them were at studios. Um, some of them weren't. Uh, but yeah. And the way the business works, as I understand it. <laughs> yeah. School us, big, Jason Ross. Big, veteran. Big, put a big asterisk on this, on this <laughs> lesson. Uh, is that there are there are studios which actually have this have, this podcast is not aimed at Mitch Hurwitz <laughs> just so you know hi Mitch yeah I see you on Saturday I mean, yes he listens and calls <laughs> me every time to compliment me but you know um, he's not learning much go ahead uh, the the studios are the actual studios the studios have uh, have sound stages and cameras and stuff um, but they don't have. Uh, they don't have writers. They don't have. There's no studio system anymore where they have a stable of writers and actors. So they have. So there are producers who they hire with contracts and uh, to keep them around, and also they're independent producers whose job it is to basically uh, talk, basically find projects, mm-hmm. bring bring in writers, uh, find find ways to make things happen, and they bring them to the studios and say, "This is what we want to do," and the studio might say yes and 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 fund that project, fund that pilot. And, you know, in the case of TV, they they. Uh, cut the money for the pilot. Um, so I, I was meeting with a bunch of, a bunch of producers who had deals with all the different studios in town. Um, excuse me. So the producers have, the, the independent producers will have deals with several, if not all of the studios, separate companies. Uh, yeah. Some there are some, sometimes they, there's the, like a first look deal where, you know, they, okay. they have right. to show it to this studio and yeah, if right. they decline, then they can take it anywhere else. Right. Um, and there's also, there's, you know, there, there's, there's a weird thing where, you know, like Universal is an NBC studio, but they don't just produce for NBC. <laughs> they also will produce for other networks. So it's like, I don't, I don't know. It's what, but because it, NBC passed it up something like that. Yeah. Right. So, um, so I was, I was really just, um, you know, you, so these general meetings are, uh, invariably very, they're invariably, invariably they're all great. They're fantastic meetings. Yeah. yeah, I had a good uh, meeting yesterday. I was I, congratulations, yeah. man. No, that's a good start. Yeah, it is. I'm one for one. Uh, because the stakes are zero. Nobody has anything to lose here. They're, all they can do is compliment you and uh, and and your ideas. And uh, you know, it's hopefully they'll hopefully they'll give you some uh, bit of honest insight into you know where how you are positioned vis-a-vis their company. Yeah, I mean, you and don't, whether you, know, you we, actually like, have something that they might be interested in. You don't want to hear what else you got, but sometimes you just want to hear what else you got. Sometimes you want to hear this is what you know. The most helpful thing you could hear in one of these meetings is we we're only going to work with ABC this year because they've been kicking our ass about it. And they only want these two things. Yeah, right, right, right. So if right. you can yeah, come up right. with an idea like that and get back to us, then we can talk. That would be the best meeting you could possibly have. Right. But the they almost like, never happen that Even way. if you pitch them something and they say, this is great. I really like your idea. The people that we're working with are not going to do it. Exactly. Here's what they're looking for. Like, that's an interesting thing. Like, um, I mean, you have what you have. But uh, um, I remember talking to a friend, a Daily Show friend who had gone on. He's like achieved some success and he's doing a lot of production and and Wait, I don't have this friend. <laughs> I, yeah, you do. Right. And um, and I told I I asked him about that, and he said like, no, here's what actually what's here's what we're looking for. Like, what stuff sort of stuff are you doing specifically? This this, this one thing. The, yeah. We, is, like, if we don't deliver this, yeah, you know, then the studio's not gonna be happy. So if you don't just like it was sort of like a don't come in without one of these. And that's the greatest thing you can hear because th- now you're not gonna be spinning your wheels for the next month trying uh-huh. to come up with something to impress a person who doesn't even want to see it. And uh, it, so you go in and you talk to these people, yeah. and then they they say great idea. They may be sincere about it. They probably were at least good ideas. Yeah. But then they have to go pitch them to somebody else who might not like it, and then they have to admit that they were wrong. Or yeah, something. yeah, yeah, yeah. And they want and they want to keep you. You know, they don't want. They certainly don't want to tell you that's a terrible idea, and you and you your your head is all wrong about this business because. For all they, you know, what's the, the, the maxim that nobody knows anything? They fear. You're, you're sitting on the next big hit and now you, they're the person who just told you to go fuck off. Right. So, so everybody loves you. They all think your ideas are great and they'd love to work with you. You're just not going to hear from them again. <laughs> Promising advice from Jason Ross. Everybody, I, everybody listening to this podcast, I just want to tell you from the bottom of my heart, I think you're great and I love your ideas. <laughs> Don't and I cannot me. wait to work with you. <laughs> All right, what's next? Next thing. Uh, yeah, well, that's part of the machine, I guess. Yeah.
Uh, yeah, you know, and you can't, you know, I mean, any, you feel like a dick complaining about it even because, you know, like this is, this is not a business that anyone forces you into. But if it, did you, did you get bites for like money to complete uh, a last, pilot? last year, I, last year was kind of a bust for me that way. Okay. I did, yeah, I, I had a couple ideas. But that's the idea um, really. I mean, they, I mean, <clears throat> I mean, really when you go into them in the first place, aren't you sort of like. Look, if I can get somebody like you, just want to get the pilot made. Beyond that, you then, even, then you well, have new. Concerns. Let's let's back up even further. You just want to get paid to write the pilot, oh, and okay. then right. and and you know hopefully that will be you know that that will be a payday for you, and then you know even after you write it, then then you have like everything is basically you have to roll a ten sided die for every step of the project yeah. to advance. Like yeah. roll a ten sided die. If it comes up if it comes up ten, then you'll get paid for, to write the pilot. Roll it again, and the studio might make it. Roll it again, and the studio might pick it up. Like all the, you know, all these things are are uh, the the odds just get uh, fatter and fatter. I like my chance. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just uh, take a little break because that seems like a good point. We'll sure. come back. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about uh, um, have some fruit. Uh, Jason getting a job out here, and what that's like to uh, work specifically from here for a show that's uh, in New York. How you go about getting that. Uh, we'll see you in a little bit. This is J.R. Havlin. My guest is Jason Ross. Some hard truth from Mr. Ross. Telling it like it is. But don't let the fact that getting a show made in Hollywood is about as likely as surviving D-Day bother you. Just follow your dreams. I got more with Jason Ross coming right up, including some great insight on single-cam, multi-cam style differences and the personal writing process. Bottom line, get your script done. But not right now. First, you got some more writer's block listening to do. All right, welcome back. This is Writer's Block. I'm J.R. Havlin. I'm here with my guest, Jason Ross, writer for The Tonight no, Show. No, with Jimmy I'm Fallen. here with my guest, J.R. Havlin. In the middle of in that, my you, living you, room. you caused me to say Jimmy Fallen. <laughs> well, like we're that, all fallen. I mean, like he's that a human. One little bit of interruption <laughs> just completely <laughs> fucked up my tongue, like went crazy. Uh, it wouldn't be the first time somebody messed up one of the Jimmy's names. Yeah. We were talking about uh, you coming out here and, and meetings and stuff like that. I just wanted to go over the um, the kind of schedule with you. You came out in the summer. Yeah. And there's, uh, um, you're talking about trying to sell your own yeah. ideas. The, the and then, the, so that, that's, that's called development season. And yeah. then after that comes... Uh, staffing season for the existing sitcoms. Yeah, can can you talk a little bit about yeah, you sure. know the the the, the timeframes of those seasons and, sure. and uh, how they how they operate? Sure, and it's breaking down a little bit because cable is working on more of a year round schedule. But the traditional network, um, you know, the big four networks, uh, their their traditional schedule is that they buy uh, scripts in the summertime and. Um, uh, winnow them down through the uh, you know, work, work on them in the in the late fall and winter, and then decide what they're going to shoot uh, for a pilot in the spring, maybe winter spring, and then and then they do the pickups in the spring, would decide what shows are actually going to be on the air for the next fall, and that's called so in the springtime that's called staffing season because the new shows are all staffing up and the existing shows though right uh, yeah and there might be some turnover yeah if there's a too. turnover right right. right. Um, yeah, so I came here in the summertime, uh, which is not staffing season. Uh, so my first priority getting to town was to try and get some development meetings, which I did, and they all went really badly uh, because, uh, for one thing, my I, what I thought was my strongest pitch was um, it was kind of dead in the water because there was something at Fox that was going to be in in sort of the same world as that. It was a was sitcom the, that was the music one that you sent me. No, uh, that that's another thing. That, that was seemed dead. like a, also more of an HBO water. thing. Yeah, anyway, right? yeah, also yeah. dead. Yeah, <laughs> that uh, that was. Uh, yeah, I also I also tried writing a um, a, a cable drama uh, because those just look like so much fun. Um, I don't even think I got one single meeting on that script though. Really? Yeah, but I did get a couple meetings on a pitch I had about a um, a, a that was. It was a sitcom um, where they were a bunch of guys who have, who have all just come back from uh, from from Iraq or Afghanistan. Or, I don't know. I'd have to look it up what I said. <laughs> <laughs> same thing. Same yeah, thing. Same thing. But they're all back and they're all civilians now and they're trying to fit in. And I thought that would be a nice world for a sitcom. But at Fox, there was a there was already a military themed sitcom called Enlisted. Enlisted. Yeah, Mike Royce episode. Yeah. Blah blah blah. Yeah. But it's a great episode. He's 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 really good. We talk about Enlisted, which was. 
and is a really good show. And yeah, he does. He does a great job. Mike's a Mike's a, a good producer and uh, writer. Yeah, and uh, but that that the existence of that show meant that my show yeah, was how about was dead. that? Like, I mean, you have to think of something not only that they haven't heard of, but yeah. they're, that they're not currently working on. Yeah, that it's, you didn't it's, know about. It's basically impossible. Like, yeah. it's and I, that's not to say you know. It, that, like I remember, uh, except for the Steve, one that I had, except the idea yeah, I had. Yeah, right, right. That's that. Uh, yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Um, the it taking the world by storm. That's gonna. Yeah. Uh, the, the, uh, Steve, Stephen Ambrose said that it was basically it was statistically impossible to for a soldier to land on the beach on D Day and and march all the way to to into Germany and and uh, till the Germans to surrender the next year without being killed or wounded. Like it happened. There are soldiers who did it. But from a statistical standpoint, it's utterly impossible, <laughs> <laughs> and that's basically yeah. what what trying to develop a let's call it a hit sick. You know, let's let's raise the bar a little bit. It's basically statistically impossible to create a hit because you you have you, there are so many variables that you will never control. Uh, More you know, who, now because of just the internet, the competition, yeah, yeah, right. yeah, and 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 the, the the splitting up of the audience and all that, right? Uh, but you know, like. Uh, I, I was so just, many more choices. I, I was actually just talking to my agent uh, the other day, and uh, and she said um, one of the hard things about pitching. I was trying to. I, I actually wrote a spec for, last fall for a um, for a multicam sitcom. Uh, sitcoms are, uh, are are there are kind of two two formats for a sitcom. One is the um, the traditional multi-camera sitcom, when the I Love Lucy vein, where it's it's filmed on a stage in front of a studio audience. Uh, and the other type is a single camera, um, arrested development style, uh, much more cinematic uh, thing. And I and I was writing a very traditional. I, I wrote a very traditional uh, multi-camera sitcom, sort of like sort of like How I Met Your Mother or Friends. It had some young adults in it. And um, and she and she said, you know, the thing is, it's even if you do it really well, uh, which you know, she that was her that was her way of of complimenting me. She's like, even if you do it really well, it's really hard to impress that on somebody's uh, imagination because Who's who's the cast? Who who is this actor? Who is this actress? Like you can't see it on the page uh, the way you can uh, a, a single camera script because in the single camera script you've got all these stage directions and these really specific things you're seeing. In a multi camera uh, script, you're you're saying here's here's the the stage that we're going to look at for the next ten years when my when my while my show runs, uh, you know for. As, as a huge hit. there's so many more it's, locations in the single camera? Uh, yeah, there are, there are locations. There are tight shots you can use. You can use camera directions saying, you know, now we go in tight to see this thing and that, that's so the joke. So that jo- makes the whole the joke. Like come alive. Exactly, and, yeah, right, right. exactly. And, and when you're writing a multicam script, as, as successful as multicam shows are, it's very hard to sell an idea off a multicam script because there are, it, it's sort of a, it, it, even if you do it very well, it's still kind of a blank canvas to people. Right, interesting. So having written... A multi-cam and a um, and a single cam. Yeah. Uh, did you find the difference in differences in those hard to deal with? Did you find yourself like struggling, I, I felt, thinking I, like I, this would work for this and not for this? Is it is it that different of a process? I think that you had to make a big adjustment in your head. Yeah, it's definitely a different process. It's sort of it's the multi-cam is a lot more limiting because you can't use close-ups. You can't use cinematic tricks to tell the story. You it's have all verbal to, jokes. It's well, or thing, or visual jokes that will read on a big stage. It's basically like writing a play. I, I just mentioned Laverne and Shirley. Now I have in my head a classic gag from Laverne and Shirley, where Jay Leno, as Laverne's boyfriend, is standing there in uh, rubber waders, and um, she and he says something rude to her, and she grabs a bottle of milk and pours the milk <laughs> down his waders, and. <laughs> Uh, like that, it needs to be that big. Yeah, right. Um, so the hard part is trying to write those jokes that read that instantly, but that aren't, you know, stupid. Twenty or thirty years old that aren't stupid that don't sound exactly like something you've heard thousands of times before. Larry Wilmore mentioned that he was he was talking about the different the different styles and and saying that like, um, you know, in the multicam, you, you the writing has to play to the audience in the studio. You, and, and because the people at home are also following along with them, yeah. they they need to laugh to get out. Yeah. Uh, in a in a single cam, you're following more of a story, and you can go out on a thought or a feeling, knowing like they're going to come back. I mean, yeah. you have to still draw them back, but there really is like you're not going to watch a multicam. I mean, pay attention to it now, listeners, blockheads. If you watch these shows, you'll see that difference. You'll see 
a multicam sometimes go out on something that is not a hard joke, but anytime you're going to see a multicam or a, you mean I a single, single cam, cam will go yeah. out on something. Yeah. Anytime you see a multicam, particularly go out to commercial, it's going to go out on a the biggest joke obvious the, joke yeah. with a big laugh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's not easy. And it's also not easy when you're doing it alone. You know, those yeah, are, right. those are jokes that get punched up in rooms full of the smartest people in America or, you know, people who work for the smartest people in America. Talking about the FBI. The sec- yeah. No, the, the second smartest people in America. Yeah. Um, the agents of shield will, uh, punch up those jokes. Is that uh, what that no, show's yeah, about? Yeah. <laughs> I, I should have watched it. That seems interesting. No, it's, it's all about people who, uh, who use panty liners because they oh, can't hold their pee I, in. Well, okay. The agent of shield. Yes. Yeah. I see. I see what you're saying. Uh, no, but you know, when you're, when you're all alone, and you're trying to come up with that blow to get out of the act. A uh, little jargon there for you. They mm-hmm. call that the blow, blow the last, the the last blow. joke of the act. Nice. Um, it's really damn hard. And yeah. like some, you know, a couple, about half the time, if you work really hard, you'll get it. And, the, and even if you're working really hard, the rest of the time you won't. And you basically have to ask your friends for help. But in that case, <laughs> yeah, also. And you send it out to your friends, and hopefully they tell you what the blow is for that act. In that case, can't you also just say blow and then move on? Because that because in in those shows, a lot of times that joke doesn't necessarily like it's just a joke. They're kind of freestanding things that don't really that that the next scene might not be totally you, dependent. You, are on. you are you asking? You mean just write blow and and hope that the producer? Well, no, likes no, no, that? no, 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 no. It's not like you know John gives <laughs> that a really look. good that a really funny yeah, joke. Yeah. No. Then we just move on to the next scene. Yeah, blow. Let's TK. keep it moving. I like to keep it moving. Blow TK. I'm, I'm all about pacing. No, I'm talking about um, uh, just just so that you can keep moving through your script and then oh, go revisit. Oh, oh, yeah. I, you know, if I was more efficient, I might be able to work okay. like that. And, and if I, I mean, and I, and I probably do do that. Do do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. Um, I was waiting for an opening to point that out. <laughs> but I, but I only do it at the point of frustration. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. like I won't, I won't strategically disengage from a scene. I right. will, I, I will only retreat in, a, in an utter route. <laughs> Run away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So your uh, foray into uh, scripted, at least for the first year, yeah. was a uh, um, uh, total you, bust. You had some meetings, but it was well, a bust. I learned, I learned a lot. Not, not much success. I learned a lot about myself. Yeah. <laughs> Did you really? Yeah. The, you know, sometimes it's about the success you have on the inside. All right. Okay. I'm going to have to edit this. <laughs> <laughs> so then uh, you're here and so here. It, finds, it, it turns out that that fall... Uh, you get a phone call. Yeah, well, something strange happened. Um, one of the great things I was looking forward to uh, about LA was um, w- was living near and possibly working again with uh, the great Josh Lee, who we worked with at The Daily Show and who has worked on, uh, if you look it up, he's worked on every comedy show ever on television. Um, and, uh, and he's a lot of fun. He's a great guy. And we were all very surprised uh, last fall when he got a job back in New York. He'd only been out here for another, for a couple of years uh, after living here, after living in New York for a long time to go back and be the producer of the Jimmy Fallon show, then late night, soon to be tonight. Show. Yeah. With the intention of with the intention. Inter- yeah. The they, they were, the they were, show. yeah, they were making a change uh, in, in preparation for that. And, uh, and I was at a, at a barbecue at his house and, and at the end of the night I was leaving and sort of from the back of the, from the other room while he's turned away from me doing dishes or something. He's like, Hey, Hey Jason, would you, uh, would you want to write jokes for for the Tonight Show? I'm like, yeah, give me a call, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> you know, this is we're, this is the end of a party. Uh, it's another know, one of those meetings. Yeah, huh? right, right. Yeah. Um, and uh, I didn't I didn't forget it, but I didn't uh, you know I didn't know what to expect. Uh, well, you know, then he leaves, and about a month or two later, I get a call, or my agent gets a call that uh, with an actual job offer. To be a staff writer for um, just an offer, he not even like submit stuff because I mean we worked we all worked together, so he knows that you can put it out. Yeah, um, plus you were probably right at the party, and uh, I'm assuming maybe, you helped clean up. I was, I was, I, 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 I might have been playing with his kids. Maybe that's what did it. Yeah, uh, every um, time uh, depends on the game. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna take that out, right? <laughs> no, that's, I'm gonna make that louder. Uh, yeah, it was an, it was an offer, and I didn't know if I like I didn't know if when I heard from him it would be an offer for a full time job right. or some sort of faxing arrangement because right. 
I think those types of arrangements still also, exist. Also, did you think, like, wh- wh- were you under the impression at, at, at this point still, like, does he want me to go to New York? No. Okay, you knew that. I knew that, okay. yeah. But I didn't know that it would be an actual staff writer job with, uh, you know, a weekly paycheck and, and all that. Right. Um, so I was... More I like was, freelance. I would have assumed the same thing. Yeah, because there is a there is a tradition in this business, and I don't know how much it's still going on, that, it, that a comedy show would have faxers, they used to call them. Yeah, I yeah. think they still do, even though it's surely by email now, uh, of people who would uh, who are not employees of a show, but who every morning or afternoon send in a bunch of jokes and get paid by the by the joke, I think, is yeah. the deal. Yeah, yeah. We had talked to, to, to Chris Regan about that. and He uh, did that? Um, yeah, he, he did it for Colin Quinn, oh, yeah. who ended up... I did it for Bill Maher. And having done, having had that experience, I think helped me get a job on the Daily Show when that first got staffed up. Yeah, Regan did it for Colin Quinn, and having done that, I never knew this, but John had asked Colin if oh, he knew nice. any people, and Colin recommended Chris, nice. never having even met him. Yeah. yeah. So that so anyway, uh, but that was we also discussed the fact that that is a thing that is sort of a, a different world if it exists at all anymore. Yeah. Just because it, it um, they have to be far more. Uh, selective. Uh, yeah. Well, Can't just open that floodgate. Oh, right. But anyway, probably, you thought it was going to be that kind of arrangement. I, well, I didn't know what it was going to be. And you I wouldn't send have us been, 20 jokes I, a day. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have been surprised if it was less than a full-time job offer. Yeah, right. But it turns out that's what it was. Nice. And um, God, What a thrill. Uh, yeah, it was, It really was. Uh, and after, especially after the fall I'd had. Um, I mean, the, the season fall, not the, yeah. well, not the fall <laughs> down. I, I, didn't, I was on my skateboard. Yeah, right. <laughs> Um, I was on my unicycle on my skateboard. Yeah. So after having a, a, you know, what I had to admit was a disappointing uh, first season here in in town. It was it was a thrill to get that offer. Nice. And I'd always told myself I, look, I I'd, I'd known John Bynes a long time, uh, and I wasn't I was only half joking when I talked about the legendary John Bynes yeah. because his setup is is it, everybody knows about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> everybody says Jesus, you believe he's doing that? Yeah. Uh, and now, and like that I, was the that was the offer to me, and uh, the legendary like, West Coast John Bynes. Um, and uh, yeah, as 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 Steve Bodo, uh, as Steve Bodo put it, he said, "You you pulled off the reverse Bynes. No one's ever done the re- no one's ever pulled off a reverse Bynes like the triple Lindy. like the tri- <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, why don't we take another little break? We're gonna come back. And we're gonna talk. Uh, yeah, we're, we're gonna we're gonna puff. We're going to puff a doobie? I didn't bring any. Oh. We're not going to no, puff a doobie? And we will talk about uh, your, your typical day. Okay. All right. Great. Uh, this is Writer's Block. I'm J.R. Havlin. I'm here with Jason Ross. We'll be right back. Some guys have all the luck, huh? If you've learned one thing during this episode, it should be that if somebody in L.A. invites you to a barbecue, just go and stick around until he's doing the dishes. If you're not following the show on Twitter, drop everything and do that now. It's at Writer's Block Pod. I'm at J.R. Havlin. Can't go wrong there. Jason is at Jason J. Ross. And why wait till Follow Friday to encourage you to follow at Katy Perry? She is just a treasure. Trust me on this one. Now let's find out how Jason manages his day three hours behind the rest of his co-workers. This is episode 41 of Writer's Block. Can you dig it? I knew that you could. All right, we're back with Jason Ross, writer for The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, which is in New York, but you are here in sunny California eating bowls of fruit any, any time of year. All year long. Pretty sweet. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not bad. How does the rest of your uh, day go? Because obviously things have to start a little early for you. Uh, they it's, probably it's pretty much like the, early, It's just bowls of fruit all day long. Just bowls of fruit? Yeah, just, con- and then, yeah. friends come over. And then over. trying to poop all night? <laughs> Oh, you don't have to try. <laughs> try not to. Mm, okay. All right. Uh, my day pretty much starts at about 8 p.m. the night before uh, when I start getting some emails. Um, actually, I, I get them earlier than that, but I, I put it off through through dinner and, and such. And I try and get some writing done um, the night before uh, for, for maybe an hour. Are these... Are these monologue topics? Are they like Mostly, we want to do a... Uh, uh, we want to do like a, one of the one of the... Recurring bits, or? mostly monologue. There's about about half of my job is just, um, or maybe more than half is is um, just straight jokes, just like 
bullets in the gun, you know, just, just write as many good ones as you can. Um, and a little less than half is uh, doing um, uh, desk pieces like uh, thank you notes and okay. pros and cons uh, and a few a few other le- less less frequent ones. Um, I can't remember the name of it, but I like the oh superlatives. I think where yeah. they show the pictures of the sports. Yeah, teams I haven't I haven't done any of those. Uh, because, and I I think those are done by the the sketch um, side. The, the writing staff is a there's a there's a mono side and a sketch side, uh, and I'm on the mono side. But they but you still do some of those desk pieces. <clears throat> I do do desk pieces. Ah, uh, uh, that was a much cleaner do much cleaner much cleaner do do. But there are st- there are things that I don't do, and superlatives is one of them. But but I don't know. My, yeah, uh, I don't yeah, see the and distinction. I That's not, they just um, cut it off somewhere. Yeah, I think maybe they don't want. Uh, I'm just speculating. Maybe yeah. maybe they don't want to overload the monologue people with too sure, much, yeah, too yeah, much yeah, sketch yeah. stuff. Um, you don't uh, have to pretend you know things you don't know. Yeah. Oh, but how would I get through the day? Yeah, that's this is, that's all this podcast has been about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I mean, and I don't have that much time to do those things because I really, so you work on some of the, so you, 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 you crank some stuff out in the, in the, in the evening. Yeah. Uh, for, for, um, 60 or 90 minutes and then hopefully get to watch an hour of TV with my wife and get to bed between 10 and 11 and I wake up at six and just roll straight out of bed. Pull, I, I pull on yesterday's clothes, which are sitting next to my bed. I just try and remove as many obstacles yeah. as possible. Well, from, it's like Einstein. Yeah, it's exactly. It's just all hanging yeah. in the closet. Uh, I, I pull on clothes. I go to uh, the kitchen and I pour coffee that has automatically just brewed. Nice. And I sit down at, the, at, uh, at, my, at my computer and I, and I start writing again. My, and my, my first deadline is at 11 p 11 a.m eastern or 8 a.m pacific so right. from about six to eight i'm jamming non-stop uh trying to try trying to put together a good a good and submission to fill in the desk pieces that you're working on and giving them as many monologue jokes at, as at that can, point based on setups that they have provided to you yeah the, the staff can you is, go off the, of those the staff yeah you can you can do whatever you want okay. um but the, the 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 staff is really incredible over there and they and they there are these they have uh, no credibility they, they are non credible. Uh, they they're this. they're stateless. They, seem uh, to they be. were they they are an illegitimate force. <laughs> um, they <laughs> no they, uh, they uh, there are the, there are these associate producers there, uh, Caroline and Jonathan, who um, just feed us uh, the raw materials of jokes in a, a relentless kind of like I don't know how they do it honestly. And there, so I, I get an email every night and a few every morning um, with single line news items, dozens of them, pages and pages. And do of you them. even manipulate those at all? I can. I can. In order to fit your exactly, line. yeah. Sometimes you chop off the end. Sometimes you flip them around. You want to end on a different word. Sure. Yeah. You know, some. Uh, but oh, the but what a what a joy! So you don't even have to scour incre- the papers exactly, looking for this. Exactly. Shit. Oh my it is, god. Yeah. It is. It it is a. Um, it's it's sort of like having it's sort of like being a, a like a like a race car driver with a pit crew, you know. You just yeah, get right. in the car and drive. Right, right. But uh, that's great. You work on these things. Yeah, and and sometimes there, sometimes we get emails through the day saying, you know, we 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 definitely want to hit on this. You know, we 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 definitely need something on this. Didn't get enough on this kind of thing. But for a lot of a lot of my workday, it's um it's sort of sailing through this big thick document of um of premises. And and you know just looking for targets of opportunity and and trying to kind of challenge myself to find a joke on this thing even though nothing is is presenting itself you know and, and you know sometimes a joke is sometimes the punchline is instant and mm-hmm. sometimes it takes you know fifteen minutes or something which is a lot of time in my day. Do you write in? Uh, I mean, Jimmy the reacts to his own jokes so much uh-huh. and just adds things to them. Uh-huh. Um, if you think if you can I mean, you can add a little comment afterward um, if you think that it uh, will help, but yeah. you, you don't have to. And the and the best of those moments are definitely yeah, spontaneous. Right. It's be an yeah, you do what you need to to try and sell the idea. So then you keep an eye on your email for the rest of the day because they're still sending you stuff. Um, I mean, at eight o'clock, yeah, my, you're not eight, done. I'm not done at eight o'clock. Um, at eight o'clock, I have I've sent in my first batch of jokes and I've start getting other premises emailed to me, um, particularly the video. There are video jokes in the monologue, and so like the, the the setups for those, the actual clips are being created and, and dropped into Dropbox yeah. by by Jonathan Adler, one of these amazing associate producers there. And so I'm I'm getting emailed that, and I'm trying to write jokes off those things. Um, God, what a fucking I'm, job! <laughs> so yeah, crazy. Yeah, 
and then and, and then if I'm not doing that, then I'm going back into that document that I've just been writing out of for the last you know uh, three four hours and um, and and trying to find other things that I haven't jokes I wasn't able to get and trying to uh, trying to uh, you know pick up whatever else I can out of uh, out of there and just sending those in in smaller batches. So the so selective desk bits are for the what you call the sketch side. And I would imagine that they also do most of the stuff that like Jimmy does with guests, like yeah. golfing around the whole building yeah. and and rolling with uh, with Halle Berry or whatever. Yeah. So yeah. they yeah. set those up and then have to produce them as well. Yeah, you sketches. Yeah, musical. He doesn't do stuff outside bits. though. Really, um, he has occasionally. Okay, there was, uh, but not not that often. Oh there, yeah, there was you know the, the uh, sneaking up on people. Yeah, but that was really funny. Yeah. But. There's this, uh, there, there's a writer there. Photo bombing, right? Yeah, he and uh, he and John Hamm photo yeah. bomb people on top That's of the uh, top of the rock. Uh, Arthur Meyer is one of the writers there, very, really really talented guy, and he actually does a lot of the man on the street stuff that you see. And uh, when I was in, when I was in town, I, I, I went back for a week and, and worked in the office a couple of weeks ago, and, uh, and and finally got to meet all these people. And every everybody's just been so lovely to me. Like I I can imagine like I mean, can you imagine if we're we're working at the Daily Show and like doing yeah, our thing, doing our thing, and then they go, oh, by the, yeah, like imagine like somebody walking into our meeting one day and saying, oh, by the way, there's a guy in L.A. who's going to start writing for the show. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine we're like, oh, this must be some hot fucking shit guy, right? Well, clearly, I mean, people have asked me about about that, and, and I mean, these are just different beasts. They're absolutely, yeah, absolutely, yeah. There's, yeah there's it can, no, it can, it, that's it, impossible to work it, from outside the office. The exactly, show. and and yet it had, as far as I know, it had not been done. At this show either you know like it, it's yes it can be it can be done at this show yeah. but it hadn't been right and so and so i didn't know how people would react but people have just been unbelievably lovely That's to right. me yeah um so uh, so i went in and did a did a week of uh of, of actually working in the office and got to meet everybody and uh, and and one of my pitches i actually I actually pitched an arthur meyer man on the street bit uh and, and it ended up going getting on the show and it was and it, it was both gratifying and also like that was way too easy because I just said, "Hey Arthur, go do this funny thing," <laughs> you know, and like he's so this really, he's this funny guy, and it was, and it was even a, it was, uh, it was um, Fifty Shades of Grey was the trailer had just come out, and the, earlier there had been a bit where he went out and asked people about the World Cup, but he mispronounced the word cup, he, he pronounced it with a Q, uh, and then he then he started getting weirder and weirder with his pronunciations, and so you know, are you are you going to see the score and squap? up, and and people's. People so people are so eager to be on television yeah. that they just go oh, right yeah, through yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, uh, so I just pitched the uh, do the same thing, but mispronouncing Fifty Shades of Grey, like you know Fifty Shapes of Grape. Uh, but by the end of it, it was it was uh, Cliffy Shapes of Greek. <laughs> and people just and going like, yeah, like, that looks uh, like that, it's going to be. I, good. I haven't read the book, but I'm going to see the movie. You know, like, uh, <laughs> uh, it's like fish in a barrel. Exactly. Right? Like, and, and and so it was. It was this this kind of confusing emotionally because I was so gratified to see that it got on the show and yet like well I didn't do it I just kind of yeah, right. threw it out there as a as a one-off thing so so then through um through sort of lunchtime my time we're getting emails back that say you know we 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 didn't get enough on this we you know we need more jokes like this there might be a new there might be uh video premises that come in later cuz some, sometimes those take a while to to be found really you know like to dig up something that, that's worth putting on the so show so are you so, keeping an eye on things until yeah. like 3 o'clock basically um 3 is a little they later. must tape around 6 right they tape around 5 oh and, they tape around uh, 5 so the yeah. rehearsals at 4 so it's like rehearsals two actually at 3:30 and and sometimes we have to gang things after rehearsal okay um but not that often. So so things really slow down around around noonish. But you still uh, have to be here, ready to yeah. be at the computer, saying like, if they, you know, they, they yeah, around around one o'clock, I feel safe to to like leave the house. Yeah, so, but that's six to one. I mean, yeah, and then working at night too. So right, it, yeah. it definitely feels like a full time job. Yeah, right, right. It's just it's, odd hours. It's odd hours, and I get to do it from my, it's like a paper route. Like my like paper route. <laughs> yeah. And then repeat. Yeah. Um, and this summer we're actually doubling up tapings on Thursday. So oh, that's uh, just for the summer, just for the summer. And that, that makes for a very interesting Wednesday and Thursday, right. uh, because we just have to, I, I, but then nobody works on Friday. Uh, correct. Yeah. Um, so there's that. It, it's that's, that's fantastic. But I mean, Wednesdays are really a, 
Wednesdays are a test. Like I've been doing this job a long time. I've been, you know, in this business a long time. I've, you know, Wednesdays are new to me <laughs> because, yeah. you know, I'm going from, you know, I start right. Yeah. I mean, I start writing the night before I wake up at six and I keep writing and then, you know, lunchtime comes and I keep, keep writing and then I, you know, afternoon comes and I keep writing and, and then, and then nighttime comes and I write a little more. Yeah. Wow. Uh, that's amazing. Um, I want to talk before we go about uh, um, influences, oh. which uh, um, I'm, I, I'm under I, the influence of Percocet yeah, and marijuana. I, yeah, well, that's uh, that. Uh, I'll tell you, they're, they're, I had those influences. <laughs> I, I can't imagine those things didn't influence me. Not Percocet. <laughs> I don't even know. That's like back pain or something, right? Yeah, I, don't yeah, know. I don't know from I don't know from over the counter. I just know from through the chain link fence. Right? <laughs> my... Uh, but uh, I don't, there's, there's I don't talk whole, about that very often, and I, and I, I was going to make should. a glory hole joke. But oh yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, when you were when you were a kid, yeah. what, what was the first thing that made you laugh? Yeah. What kind of stuff did you you know when 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 know did your taste change, and and what really kind of do you feel like was the first thing that really made you think like not only is this something that I want to do, but I think it's something I can do. Yeah. I think in my second or third grade talent show, I did an unknown comic routine. <laughs> Bag on the head. Yeah. And did and you I, just do his jokes? Or no, you... I actually did. I think I did a couple. I actually don't. I don't think I knew any of his jokes. I think I just knew him sort of as I don't a. I know how many jokes a, he did. Yeah. I mean, he did jokes. I, right? He must have. Yeah. But like, I. I I don't actually remember seeing him very much on TV. I just remember pictures. Like, this and is the, just gong show. Yeah. And, um, which I never really. Like, I don't know. They only taped like three of those. <laughs> that's like, that's what it feels like to me. Like there, be, there, right. there really weren't that many. Go- I don't know. Uh, <clears throat> I wasn't a regular watcher, but I knew he existed. I've seen pictures of him. It was just the funniest thing in the world to me. So I, so I, I think I did a couple jokes that I had gotten out of a book or something. And then I, but then I also wrote a couple of my own in second and, grade. In second grade. Um, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> That, See now those tapes would still exist. The video, yeah, exactly. It would be on right. my parents. My right. parents would still have it on their phone. Right. Yeah. But I don't remember who my like other than the unknown comic whose jokes I d- didn't know. I like the I didn't really have any comic influences that I that really like that were a voice that I knew until I started listening to Steve Martin records in about uh, fourth and fifth grade. Fourth and fifth. Grade. Fourth, fifth, sixth. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe fifth, but yeah. what makes you even do that? Did your parents have them? Um, friends? I, a friend, friends, parents had them. Yeah. Right. Uh, and my, my parents weren't prudish about that, but you know, like a, an LP album was a lot of money and you know, like, like they, they weren't big enough comedy fans to buy it. And I yeah, didn't right. have, you know, $8 in 1978. No, who did? Uh, yeah. No. Well, Chris, Rockefeller? Mata, my buddy, Chris Mata. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, I actually think his parents, <clears throat> his parents were a little more. They were enjoying the '70s a little more than my parents okay. were. I think they actually bought the. That I think thing. I understand what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> yeah. Key parties. Yeah, and and so we listened to "Comedy Isn't Pretty" and "Wild and Crazy Guy." And in fifth grade, I bought a used copy of "Cruel Shoes," and I, I read that, and it, it fell apart in my hand because the the binding was crap, and it was a used book. I and then I discovered, literally discovered for myself, both when I was in seventh or eighth grade, both David Letterman whose show had just started, I think. But I was like, I had, I had some insomnia as a kid. Getting to sleep at night was really hard for me. I'd come downstairs, turn on the TV, turn it to channel four, and I could not believe my eyes. Like yeah. this guy is, he's dropping shit off the roof. He's you know yelling at people out of the window. Like I, I, I it, it was an utter revelation. Yeah, I, somebody love, could do I that loved on, watching Letterman. On, on I was a, like a regular viewer for many, many, many years. Yeah, I mean, I got, I had the honor of telling my friends about it. Oh yeah, yeah, nice, <laughs> nice. You turned them on exactly, this. yeah. And uh, that's and back the, when Leno would come on and be great, yeah, you know? yeah. And he always the, had a beef. Yeah, what's your beef, Jay? Yeah. Hell, Dave. And yeah, and, and Paul doing weird stuff with the band, like it was just that sort of anarchy. You'd never seen that before. And I, you know what, I there was I, one other. You said Letterman. Yeah, and then my friend came over because his in in eighth or ninth grade, my friend came over because his older brother was dating my older sister, and my friend and I were just like flipping channels, and we came across Monty Python and the Holy Grail, and we got you know we I'd heard of Monty Python, I'd probably somebody had told me I should watch it, but like I got to we, we got to sit there and watch that beginning to end uh, in eighth grade or something, and and the, just, do you remember the first time through just thinking like this is holy. Holy shit. I mean, the, the Black Knight scene, like 
Yeah. What what have You're we found? Again, what right? the fuck have we found here? Um, uh, yeah, I for, you know the airplane movie. I I I, I saw Airplane when I was uh, in my for my sixth grade end of year barbecue party. My teacher. <laughs> really? This is, what a weird, this is, is that a yeah, thing? Is that a thing? Absolutely inappropriate. Yeah. My yeah. teacher took the class to see Airplane, which you know one of the jokes is is a pair of boobs shaking like Jello. Yeah. And, you know. Yeah. Uh, and a, a big old blowjob joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right. Uh, blowing an inflatable pilot. Uh, it comes up smoking a cigarette. <laughs> yeah, smiling. <laughs> so, you know, but between those, I would say that that's sort of where those were the things I loved. Uh, I was not, at the time, a huge Mel Brooks fan. I think I sort of dabbled in him later when I kind of went back and probably watched Blazing Saddles in my 20s for the first time. Yeah, right, right. Um, for whatever reason, Blazing Saddles feels like something you don't really see until you're in your 20s. Yeah, you know, maybe. You know, unlike so many of those other things yeah. you're talking about. I mean, maybe Monty Python, but uh, um, you know, when I was 13 or whatever, our dollar theater was playing Take the Money and Run. Yeah. And my brother and I went like 25 times. Yeah. And we would sit in the back like doing the line, pissing people off because we yeah. were doing all the doing lines before and just laughing in advance of what was going to happen. and. And I just remember thinking, like, there's just not an unfunny moment in this whole thing. And yeah. I just, I can't wait for the next the funny thing to happen. He cased out perspective banks by hiding a camera in a loaf of bread. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just all of it. It's just hilarious. Oh, I have a good memory. Uh, third grade. And I know for a fact it was third grade because it was at Jim Auger's house. And we were only friends in third grade. Um, <laughs> that fucking prick. He knows what he did. He's, no, we're actually back in touch uh, ever since I moved back to New York. He worked down on Wall Street. But uh, he... Uh, his parents were watching bananas and the uh the sequence where he's running away from the crowd and uh grabs the tire iron and leads the funeral yeah. holding the tire iron as a cross utterly slew me as yeah. a as a how old was i let's see six i was eight years old that just murdered me really yeah I mean, you did you know what that even meant that he was like that it was a cross yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah uh but you know him hiding that way from a crowd really really good and you know, we speaking of that joke, like it would probably in ways that I can't even describe. Bugs Bunny is probably a huge influence on me oh, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because there were he. How many times did he run away from from uh, Elmer Fudd and hide in you know you know as a bar? Hide almost or, exactly. Yeah, yeah you exactly, totally exact see same exactly joke. same way, right? The Bugs Bunny joke. Yeah. Oh, I like that idea. But you know that that's from back when I was you know three, four, five, six, seven. Right. You know, really hard to. Hard to hard to place that kind of comedy in in a in, in a grown up kind of way. So you know, I mean, a lot of a lot of classics. Thanks for not saying Doctor Who because I don't know what the fuck that is. <laughs> never so, never seen it. Kudos to you for that. Uh, that's gonna be it. This is uh, Writer's Block. I'm J. R. Havlin. My guest has been Burtle. Jason Burtle. Ross. Burtle. Play me Burtle. out, Jason. Steep bass. We will Burtle. see you next Burtle. time. Say goodnight, Jason. Goodnight, Jason. That's it. Episode 41. Signed, sealed, and delivered. My next guest will be Hugh Moore, comedian, writer, and self-proclaimed head of the Black Nerd Nation. He was also a good friend from many years ago. It was great to reconnect with him and hear about what it's like to not only hustle, but to do it well and do it successfully. It's a great episode. Please tune in. Until then, thanks for listening. Say goodnight, blackheads. Thank you.